Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. It's Fight Night Extra with myself, Gareth A. Davis. We will discuss all the latest news from the world of combat sports. There's no Addy this week. He's gone over to America for the Super Bowl. So I've moved into the hot seat and I'm delighted to say alongside me today is one half of the Fight Disciples. It's my old pal, Nick Pete. Over the course of the next hour, we'll be recapping a win for Chris Eubank Jr. over Liam Williams in Cardiff. Who should he fight? And who should it be for a world title? We'll also hear from Clarissa Shields after her win over Emma Cozin teed up a potential fight with Britain's Hartlepool's Savannah Marshall. Elsewhere, we're going to hear from Jake Paul, the YouTuber come fighter come promoter who's been in London to promote the fight between Katie Taylor and Amanda Serrano in Madison Square Garden for the women's undisputed lightweight title. We cannot wait for that. And we'll be looking ahead to a big night in the UFC this weekend as Israel Adesanya and Robert Whittaker square off in a rematch for the UFC middleweight title. Don't go anywhere. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. It's historic, to say the least, and the fact that it was the second most pre-sales in Madison Square Garden history is is next level. You know, I was blown away by that. The undisputed UFC middleweight champion of the world, the last style bender, Israel Adesanya. Well, you heard the 
Exocets going off there in the cauldron in Cardiff. And of course, the rock and roll that continues in the MMA world as we stun, strike, submit and knock out. I'm joined today by my old pal. He's not old, but we've been pals a very long time in the fight business. It's the one and only Nick P. How are you, my friend? Very well, thank you, buddy. What a great weekend we've just had. And I tell you what, we've got an even better one coming this week, haven't we? We have. And look, it's only the second week of what we call the, the British fight season in terms of boxing. But as I said, MMA's rocking and rolling. We'll talk UFC later. And also a big move today with the PFL, the Professional Fighters League, signing a deal with the terrestrial channel known as Channel 4. It's all happening. Bellator on the BBC, PFL on Channel 4. You're on BT Sport doing UFC. we got the best of all worlds now. But let's go back to Cardiff, Nick. Saturday night, Chris Eubank Jr., four times he knocked down Liam Williams. Williams, as I reported in the Telegraph last week, uh, said he was going to kill Eubank in the ring. He was reprimanded by the British Boxing Board of Control. But in fact, Eubank put on a masterclass of sorts, an enigmatic performance. He knocked Williams down three times in the first four rounds and then kind of let Williams back into the fight, very game as he was, tigerish still, even though his legs weren't with him during the fight. Knocked down again in the again in the 11th. And of course, Eubank won by clear, unanimous decision, and rightly so. What did you make of the fight? What did you make of Eubank's antics? And what did you make of Liam Williams being put down so easily, Nick? Yeah, I think that from a, from a Williams point of view, that was the most concerning. You know, I, I, that, that little short, sharp shot that kept putting him down. Your know, people were describing it as the left jab. It was a little bit more than that. It was so quick. He just kind of whipped it in. Eubank, that was his money shot all night. And I think had he not damaged that left hand early on in the fight, we probably, you know, the way it was looking, you probably doubt William Williams would have heard the final bell. But it was concerning that Williams was going down so heavy. There was a lot of talk in Cardiff during fight week, speaking to members of a team, his outer circle, um, just saying that Williams was, you know, a stone overweight with just a, a yeah. day or two to go before the weigh-in. And when you're cutting that much weight, you know, that's never, ever going to be good on the night. And maybe that took away one of the strongest faculties, Liam Williams, because we know he has got a terrific chin. So that was quite surprising. I think it took everybody back. But in terms of the performance by Eubank, you know what, Gareth? I, I think you could, you could clip out seven... Six or seven rounds from this fight, make a highlight package, show it to any fight fan in the world and say, Chris Eubank Jr. is world-class and ready for a world title. But there was four or five rounds in there, almost James DeGale-esque, where he kind of went missing. Mm, mm, I agree with you. And, uh, well, he went missing. He, he described it as... Uh, wanting to embarrass and belittle Liam Williams afterwards and wanting to showcase his skills and uh, basically punish uh, Williams for all the pre-fight talk. Obviously, these two, is a big British grudge fight. We thought it was a 50-50. But as you say, when Liam Williams plunged forward and met that jab early on, um, certainly those first three knockdowns for me, were someone with no legs in a fight. And I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I was... The thing is, when you're around a fight week, there's always talk and what's real and what's not. But um, you talk to a lot of fighters. I've talked to a few people since then. And, the, you know, the, 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 he, he probably either over-sparred, under-sparred, 
or had a very bad weight cut. And I think it's the the third of those um, because he was game the entire time. He had his senses. He never looked kind of out on his feet facially as in his eyes, but it's just his yeah. legs weren't underneath him. And I, I think I completely agree with you again um, on um, the fact that Chris Eubank Jr. did some very brilliant world-class things in that fight, showed what he's learnt in two years under Roy Jones Jr., the great Roy Jones Jr., but he left something to be desired. That 12th round where he danced and put his arms in the air, didn't want to do anything anymore and said, look, I've beaten you, but I don't want to do anything. Have a tear up for the last minute and a half. It was disappointing yeah. at the end for me, Nick. Yeah, obviously I've seen the interview with Chris afterwards and he was saying I wanted to punish him. But listen, you know, I remember, remember seeing footage of Muhammad Ali. I think it was Jerry Quarry punishing Jerry Quarry mm. for 12 rounds because he wouldn't call him Muhammad Ali. He won every single round. He beat him up for 12 rounds. He carried him. There was times here where Chris Eubank was losing rounds when he was midway through yeah. the fight at one point. You know, he was losing the round. I think Williams missed with a big overhand right. And, and Eubank did like a little dance like he was a matador ducking away from the bull. That's all good and well when you're actually winning rounds. Now, don't get me wrong. I actually only scored four rounds in favour of Liam Williams. I agreed with the judges on the night. I scored at 116-108. It wasn't close. It was never close after that first mm. four rounds, of course. But if you're going to embarrass somebody, if you're going to drag it over the distance and try and make a fool out of somebody, you've got to be winning those rounds. You can't be throwing rounds away, acting daft and you know, doing your own version of the Ali shuffle in the ring and then getting caught with silly overhand rights. So... I, I don't know. Once again, you know, when this is the thing with young Chris, he, he leave, you come away and you think, wow, there's moments there where I truly believe, you know what, why not? Put him in with Golovkin. Put him in with the best middleweights on the planet. Let's. These are the fights he's been screaming for for about six years now, Gareth. Let's just put him in and see what happens. But then there's other moments where you think, you're, you're just not beyond this level. He's such an enigma. Do you know what? It, that's exactly what I wrote in my report. It was... The awkward, it was another weirdly awkward performance where you just have to call him an enigma again because, um, and again, he apes the old man, Chris Eubank Sr. It's what, it's what Sr. would have done in a fight that he was winning easily. He would have, he would have tantalised us, titillated us, and then at the end preened like a peacock and strutted the corners of the ring, avoiding a battle at the end, knowing he'd won. As he's always said, it's a mugs game, and that, you know, it's, a, it's down to the fighters. We can sit on our, on our silk-lined sofas and complain about performances, but at the end of the day, he did a number on, uh, on Liam Williams, and I think he did it in the Dragon's Den, he did it away from home, um, yes. and I think, you know, you know this as, uh, you know this old... Um, adage, Nick, in, in boxing, there's levels in the sport, and he definitely showed that he's a level above Liam Williams. Yeah, as I say, if you, if you look at the, uh, you know, I didn't see a highlights, but if Sky had to put together a highlights package afterwards, and you'd read the scorecards from the judges, and you'd seen the fact that Williams had been on the on the on the canvas four times, and you've seen some of the shots that he put him over with, you know, and the way the way he was shaping up a lot of times, very very Roy Jones esque, which you would expect after spending the best part of two years locked away with Roy Jones, you'd expect that from Eubank. I'd say from a highlights package, from a final result on paper point of view, it was a sensational performance by Eubank. 
but we can't get away from those four rounds for me in the middle of the fight where he, where he went walkabout. And you're like, why are you doing this? Just put your foot down, Chris. Get the finish. Get the highlight reel finish. And then we're all on board then. But instead, I think a lot of fans come away saying, we still don't know whether he is actually world-class and if he's ready for the big time. But with Wasman behind him, with Sky, with Boxer, all those guys behind him, I think he'll get his world title fight this summer and we'll know for sure. Well, we'll go on to that in part two and we'll talk deep reaction to Eubank and what next for him in absolute detail coming up. Shields and Marshall, uh, Savannah Marshall and Clarissa Shields uh, faced off uh, after the fight ringside. I was a couple of feet away from it. It was electric. Of course, um, uh, Savannah Marshall is due to fight Clarissa Shields in a big, big blockbuster at in the women's middleweight division later this summer. She's got a win, of course, on March the 12th in Newcastle. But Shields, very quickly, Nick, um, Emma against Emma Cozy looked very impressive for me, even if she didn't get her out of there. Yeah, I, listen, I could watch Clarissa Shields box all night. You know, she's poetry in motion. Her footwork is unbelievable. Her shot selection is unreal. I've got to hold my hands up and say I was very disappointed with Emma Cozen. Girl turned up in Cardiff with a, with a belt for what that belt was worth um, to, to challenge the best female fighter in the middleweight division. And she looked absolutely, as you said earlier, Gareth, the sport's about levels. And Emma Cozen was dramatically levels below Clarissa Shields. Yeah, absolutely. And I was with Clarissa today at the PFL, the Professional Fighters League, uh, announcing their partnership uh, with Channel 4. Brilliant, more brilliant news for mixed martial arts. We'll chat about that at about quarter to six tonight. But also, of course, very quickly, Nick, um, we have UFC 271 this weekend. Israel Adesanya versus Robert Whittaker. Whittaker didn't really perform in the first fight. I'm looking uh, for a little bit more from him second time around. Yeah, this is the beauty of the UFC. You know, we don't have rematch clauses. We don't have fights that, you know, fighters have to go over all ground just for the sake of it, just because they're the champion, they get to put it in a contract. Robert Whittaker faced Adesanya three years ago. Adesanya was the better man, dropped him in the first round, finished him in the second round. It was a huge fight for Australasian MMA. But Robert Whittaker went away. He's had three incredibly big wins against top contenders mm. since. He has earned his spot at number one in contendership at £185. And he has forced the hand of Israel Adesanya to give him the rematch. And I tell you what, Gareth, we will get a completely different fight from the one we got three years ago in Australia. I'm convinced of it. This is the second coming. In fact, it may even be the third coming of Robert Whittaker. And I think Adesanya's got a real fight on his hands this weekend. More on the PFL Channel 4 and that brilliant fight, huge fight at UFC 271 later on in the show. You're listening to Fight Night Extra here on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll be hearing from Jake Paul and Eddie Hearn, who have started their press tour for Taylor versus Serrano. And we'll look ahead to, two F as I said, to UFC 271 this weekend as well. But after the break... We'll recap Saturday night in detail with wins for Chris Eubank Jr. and Clarissa Shields live on TalkSport 2. The sport via Boxing Border Control was closed for business. Tonight, lockdown is over. With world titles on the horizon for Bob, it's a must-not-lose. There's plenty of gold and pedigree amongst the sporting cast too, with a self-proclaimed GOAT in town. Welcome to the Motorpoint Arena in Cardiff, for Fight Night Live on TalkSport. In favour of your winner, the rock and roller, Chris 
As the boy said on commentary, an absolute formality. Gareth Davis, I'm going to back you up for once, I'm backing you. I'm I'm putting my neck on the line and saying we've got a superstar in the making. He's got a big smile on his face. Impressed with Sister's performance there, sir? Yeah, definitely. She's got, I've got a while to learn, it's early days, and she'll make improvements, but that was a good debut. Clearing your winner by unanimous decision, your WBC, WBA and IBF female middleweight champion of the world, the greatest woman of all time, Clarissa! Declaring your winner by unanimous decision, Chris Eubank Jr. Well, it was great to have uh, boxing back after a six-week hiatus. You're listening to Fight Night Extra here on TalkSport 2 with myself, Gareth Davis. Nick Pete from the Fight Disciples is alongside me. Obviously, you heard the, uh, the, uh, the, the highlights, if you like, from our merry band of four men, Andy Clark, Spencer Oliver, myself and Adam Catterall there on Saturday night. As I said, a hiatus of six weeks in British boxing, kind of off-season, and now we're back. Um, a couple of highlights there, I just want to point out to you, Nick, as well, and get your opinion. Uh, Chris Jenkins beating the former uh, super lightweight world champion, or light welterweight, I should call it, at my, at my age, not super lightweight. Light welterweight, 140 pounds, the, the weight division that Ricky Hatton was dominant at many moons ago. Um, blue moons now, of course. Um, and <laughs> and I, I, I thought Jenkins lost to Julius Ndongo, by the way, but I bumped into Jenko in the bar afterwards. He, would, he was buying tequilas. I had to have one, so I couldn't tell him that I thought he lost by five <laughs> rounds to three. I, I don't know whether you made of it. Did you did you think it was a close fight or, or that Ndongo deserved the victory? Yeah, I, I agreed with the referee's assessment of a 78-75 score, but unfortunately it certainly didn't belong to the Welshman. I thought yeah, Julian Ndongo yeah. started yeah. too strong and ended too strong. He was too good yeah. for him, a bit too sweet for him. So, yeah, a bit disappointing, but... Uh, you know, unfortunately for Julius Ndongo, you know, he's had this incredible run where he was a former world champion and he ran into Terence Crawford and it's one been one big name after another, unfortunately, for him. And uh, he suffered there a bit of a homer decision. It's funny, you know, because when he, when he um, fought Ricky Burns up in Glasgow, I can't remember if I was up there, but I, know, I do remember the fight very well. He utterly dominated Ricky yeah. Burns. And then he got done, didn't he, by Terence Crawford and Regis Progre. And, and he's 38 now. He's 39 this weekend, I think. So, you know, Julius Ndonga is probably close to the end. But as I said, I wasn't going to argue with Jenko in the bar. He might, his face like might <laughs> cut like papier-mâché, but I didn't feel like being horizontal, if I'm honest with you. So uh, so I left that all alone. Um, quick word on Caroline Dubois. My word, Nick. Come on. Give me some superlatives about... We heard... Daniel Dubois there, chased him into the crowd with their dad, Stan, six siblings there, beautiful family from South London. They're all so handsome. Uh, the women and the men are just so beautiful looking. Caroline. Listen, I, I would more compare her to a, a young Sugar Ray Leonard myself. That's how good wow, looking she is, wow. you know, my favourite yeah. fighter of all time. But listen, she's free-footed, got good shot selection. Um, obviously, she's very well, very well groomed. She's been boxing for an awful long time. A former Olympian, of course, who was, you know, a point or two away from making the semis and more than likely meddling. Um, 
But for me, she just looks very young at the moment. She looks 21. She looks every bit her age. I think she's just got to fill out a little bit more. We just need to pump the brakes slightly because we're so excited with women's boxing at the moment because it's absolutely flying. And by that, I don't mean in terms of women's boxing. I mean, the girls are showing the men how it should be done. You know, they're not dodging each other. The big fights are happening. The big arenas are welcoming the fights. We'll come on to that later. You know, the women's game is really pushing the boundaries at the moment. And we, it'd be very easy to get excited with Callum Dubois and just try and rush her too soon. I just think we need to take our time with that. I'd love to see her have six fights this year. You know, there's no reason to fast track it into a, a world title opportunity before it, you know, before she's ready. Because I think right in the moment, she's in that developmental stage where... She's still filling out for me. She's still getting a muscle mass. She's still really turning, you know, shaping herself into a pro. The talent is there. The raw ingredients are there for her to become an absolute superstar. We just don't need to push her too soon, in my opinion. No, I completely agree with you. Well, look, um, that from one brilliant woman to another brilliant woman, uh, Clarissa Shields did her work on Saturday night against Emma Cozin. I caught up with her briefly afterwards for TalkSport. Well, well, I wasn't able to hear her, but I think you said something about she wiped the floor or something like she can't do nothing with me, and that's why I'm here. She didn't come to America. I came here. She was criticizing you for not finishing your opponent. I think she's been well, doing that all the time. Well, my opponent trained eight weeks to get ready for me, and her opponent trained three days and a week to get ready. It's well, there she is, and uh, she was accused of being pillow fists by Savannah Marshall, the silent assassin, letting rip with a little bit of smack talk. Now, pillow fists or not, Nick? <laughs> Listen, Clarissa suffers from a lack of knockouts, you know, and, and the one thing we know Savannah doesn't suffer from is power. She's absolutely got an incredible run of knockouts, certainly when you look at you know, the women's side of the sport where not a lot of the female boxers are blessed with tons of knockouts, for instance. She does get the knockouts. Um, and Clarissa's got, what, two knockouts in 12 fights? That's a, a run of six or seven title fights now where she's gone the distance. So, you know, if, if this was the men's game, we would say that. We would say, listen, you know, she can't punch her way out of a wet paper bag. It's the manner of the performances, though. You know, as I say, Sonny Edwards may not be the biggest puncher out there, but I could watch that kid box and spar all day long because if you watch him and you're a student of the game and you're not learning something, you're doing something wrong. And it's similar with Clarissa Shields. I watch Clarissa Shields box and it doesn't matter what agenda is. If you're a young amateur boxer with aspirations to achieve something in the sport, watch Clarissa Shields. Watch the way she moves her feet. Watch the combinations she puts together. Watch the way she cuts off the ring. You know, and she really backed up. Again, I don't want to keep harping on about Emma Cozen because it's hard to find anybody in this middleweight division that's got the skill set of a Clarissa Shields. But I'll tell you what I would, would like to say. And we harp on about this on Fight Disciples all the time. And it was brought up this week at the press conference on Monday as well by Serrano. But Clarissa Shields would have a catalogue of viral moments. She would be a much bigger star if she was allowed to compete over three-minute rounds. Because for Emma Cozen, she was in survival for 120 seconds. She had to do 10, 10 shots of 120 seconds to survive. Had she had to survive for 180 consecutive seconds in those fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, she wouldn't have been able to do it, Gareth. And I think Clarissa Shields no, Nick, is definitely one athlete yeah, that should be agree. doing three-minute rounds. 
We'll go. We'll get into that in detail in, in the next section, actually, when we talk uh, Amanda Serrano. Rightly, I was at the press conference yesterday where she brought that up uh, with Katie Taylor. Could they make it historic and make it the 12 three-minute rounds when those two meet at Madison Square Garden on April the 30th for all the women's lightweight belts and the Ring Magazine title course? It's a really well-made point. There's a lot more depth. We need to dig into that narrow and deep. Um, we're going to go into uh, the, a break in a minute, but one other thing, first of all, or two, actually, um, how much do you love the fact that um, young Caroline Dubois is in the lightweight division? She's going to be a massive contender for those other girls. But but I'll move us on because we're running out of time and the producer is sticking pins in my ears right now. Uh, <laughs> old Jeremy, our producer, saying, move on, move on. And it's hurting my ears. Chris Eubank Jr., next opponent. I'm going to throw this out there. Umar, my mate from IFL TV, managed to get hold of Billy Joe Saunders, who says, I could beat Chris Eubank still if I was half dead with one hand. Um, what do you reckon about Chris Eubank Jr. having a fight or a rematch rather with Billy Joe Saunders, one of the two men to have beaten him uh, way back when in his career, uh, when he was very raw and tenacious? What do you think about a rematch with Billy Joe Saunders? Um, I, I thought Billy Joe would retire, to be totally honest with you, after having his jaw broken against Canelo Alvarez and retiring from that fight and doing the one thing he actually said publicly he would never do, and he actually went and did it after criticising Daniel Dubois and he quit himself. I'm in no rush to see Billy Joe come back, to be totally honest with you. I think the division and Chris Eubank has moved on without him. I think domestically, of course, if Billy Joe does make a comeback, of course, it's a fight that makes sense. But to see Billy Joe suddenly jump out of retirement to come back to take on the number one middleweight in the UK at the moment, whether he likes it or not, I'm not a big fan of that move. If I'm Chris Eubank Jr. and Roy Jones and the team they've got around with, Wasserman and everything, the last thing I'm looking at is going back over old ground against a guy that you know decided he didn't want to box anymore not too long ago. So they should be thinking about the... You know, Jaime Munguia is in action this weekend. That's a WBO interim title fight. That WBO belt is likely going to be vacated by Demetrius Andrade. Eubanks very highly ranked with the WBO. You've got Jamel Charlo knocking about the world champion. You've got Golovkin, of course. His spec. Well, you haven't got Golovkin and Murata. That's the problem, Nick. The, 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 those two will fight. I mean, I agree with you on all of those points, apart from Golovkin and Murata, because I do believe there's still a contract for them to fight. And, you know, um, Yes, to all of those other ones you mentioned. I just think up at super middleweight, a little bit of fun. Um, and I think Eubank, I think he'll take it. I think it's a big money fight. I think Eubank's the hero now and Billy Joe Saunders is the heel. But but brilliant opinions there, Nick, as always. Um, I'm going to have to go to break. He's sticking pins in me again. Um, you're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll discuss a big night in the UFC this weekend. But next... We'll hear from Eddie Hearn and his rival promoter, Jake Paul, as Amanda Serrano and Katie Taylor get their press tour underway. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 
Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And now, an historic seven-weight division world champion from Brooklyn, New York, by way of Puerto Rico, Amanda Reed. Like it's all coming together. So now this is the best time for me to take this fight. I feel, I feel great. She's still undefeated and still the undisputed lightweight champion of the world, Katie Taylor. I'm obviously 7-3, 100% prepared. I don't think it's anything that I, I've never seen before. You're listening to Final Extra on Sport Talks World 2 with myself, Gareth A. Davis. My favorite time of the week doing the fight shows with Nick Pete from the Fight Disciples is alongside me. Whenever I hear Katie Taylor talking now, I see Al Faran. Does that mean anything to you, Nick? <laughs> no. <laughs> He's an Irish doing his voices. impersonator. Doing his voices, yeah. And he, he does Katie Taylor <laughs> so well. I just see Al's face, and that is so wrong on so many levels. She is so extraordinary, Katie Taylor, a six-time amateur world champion, 50 caps for Ireland as a footballer, as a soccer player. Yes, I shouldn't use that word with you. You're from Liverpool and you're a huge football fan. I mean football, not soccer. Um, she is a an Olympic champion. She holds all the belts at lightweight. She is undefeated. The queen of boxing, in my view, Katie Taylor. We heard from Amanda Serrano de Puerto Rico via Nueva York. A brilliant woman as well. Nick, these two women, seven-weight world champion Serrano as well, the way they carry themselves, the way they were at yesterday's press conference, for me, just beggars belief. They just put this women's boxing on a new level it's extraordinary what they've managed to put together here with these two isn't it, it it's, a, it's a remarkable fight you know it's the fight that katie taylor badly needed to be totally honest with her i think she's gone a little bit stale in recent fights making routine defenses against you know girls that aren't really gonna define 
a legacy with all due respect. And Amanda Serrano is absolutely that girl. You know, she's one of the greatest female boxers of all time. Multi-weight world champion, as you say. It's fantastic that they've been able to make this fight happen. And I hop back to what I said earlier in the show. This is the girls, this fight and the obviously the the fight we've just been talking about, the girls are showing the men how it's done. The girls are putting up. They're not just talking the talk. They're walking yeah. the walk. You know, it, we're, we're, we're spoiled in April with some fantastic boxing. It's capped by Taylor versus Serrano. We're also getting Fury White. We're also getting Errol Spence versus Ugas. But they're the fights we don't want. Nobody wanted to see Fury White. Nobody wanted to see Spence Ugas. We all wanted Spence Crawford and Fury Usyk or Fury AJ. But that's just the men's game for you. The girls are delivering. And this fight, I know it was the fastest selling pre-sale in Madison Square Garden second fastest pre-sale, Madison Square Garden history, that for me shows that women's boxing now needs to just be called boxing you know, we need to get away, anything that makes it different from the men, and again I'm harking back to the three minute rounds now but anything that segregates it from the male boxing, we need to get rid of it's just boxing, knockouts fight of the years, doesn't matter the gender the girls are producing and doing the goods, they should be paid for it they need parity with the men, and for me this is the fight to do it with Absolutely, they're all very strong points Nick, Um, I've got one thing to say about the the three minute rounds unfortunately 12 threes uh, in New York on on uh, April the 30th will have to be contractually agreed because at the moment I checked that with Eddie Hearn uh, earlier. It's 10 twos, 10 yeah. two-minute rounds are in the contract. And, and Katie Taylor at the press conference um, was very, very strong on the fact that she didn't want to. And it, it, it was the one moment of weakness in winning ways. It was a very smart move uh, by uh, Amanda Serrano uh, to say so in front of the media. Well, look, let's hear from Katie Taylor. It was in the Talk Sports studios yesterday before that press conference. She says the fight against Serrano is the one she's been waiting for for a very long time. This is a fight that I think we both have, uh, have wanted for, for many, many years now. And um, this is the biggest fight in boxing right now, I believe. And the fact that it's uh, the second highest um, pre-sales in, in Madison Square Garden boxing history says it all, really. Um, I think it, it proves that perceptions have changed in boxing, boxing regardless. And um, I, I'm just so, so excited to, that, that this fight is actually happening. Well, Serrano was alongside Taylor in the build-up and said there's no need to be disrespectful to each other in the build-up. My first time going to the Garden was at the press conference, all that stuff. So I, I've been at, I fought at the Hulu Theater, but there was nothing like, I never even been to a Nick game to, to last week. So it's um, pretty amazing to be there. And um, just on me and Katie are headlining uh, Madison Square Garden because of our accomplishments, because of what we've done in the ring. We don't need to be disrespectful towards each other. We are great champions. And that shows people are interested in this fight because of what we have done. Fascinating stuff. Well, Nick, uh, the two promoters involved, we, you and I know Eddie Hearn very well, but we don't know Jake Paul as a presenter. Whatever you say about Jake Paul, um, <coughs> excuse me, there's a lot of criticism in, in the, 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 the purest media, in the, in the purest who love boxing about what he's done in the sport. I've got very broad views on it all. Historically, there have been so many circuses in the sport. What do you make, Nick, of the fact that Jake Paul, as he said to me yesterday, um, I want to put as much back into the sport as I take out of it. And this is what I feel I can do with women's boxing. And there's no doubt that he's helped this fight to happen and he brings a great influence and maybe new eyes to women's boxing. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think I, I prefer him as a prom- I prefer him more as a promoter as I do as a fighter. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think as a promoter, you're right. He brings in an incredible amount of eyeballs. And let's let's face it, if he hadn't have signed Amanda Serrano, this fight probably wouldn't be happening because what Jake Paul brings to the table is publicity, and what they're able to do is ensure that because we heard from both girls then. Nothing but respect for each other. This is not Clarissa Shields uh, going backwards and forwards with Savannah Marshall. That's going to be that fight will sell itself on the back of those girls just going for each other in uh, in press conferences. Katie Tellamanda Serrano, what we just heard then, that won't change between now and the actual ring walks because they, you know, they're two absolute ladies and they they're just they're so respectful of each other's skill set. There's no trash talking involved. That's why you bring in a Jake Paul. That's why you bring in a salesman like Eddie Hearn to really get behind it and bring new eyeballs to it. And in that regard, I absolutely applaud the fact that Jake Paul is doing positive things for the sport of boxing. If him standing on stage with a turtleneck next to his brother from another, Mr. Edward Hearn, puts more bums on seats and brings more eyeballs to the sport and gets these girls paid more than they've ever been paid before... Well, I'm 100% down for that, Gareth, that's for sure. Well, before we hear from Jake Paul, just one little tease of you, Mr. Nick, Nick Pete, because I, I said I've known you a long time. Years ago, in your journalistic rounds, I think you had a, a fight with a, with a boxer, with Mr. Shane Neary, didn't you? And after that's you swung right. the Mersey, I think. In a, so, uh, <laughs> you know, think about it. If you'd been doing that today, you probably would have put it on YouTube and you probably earned a bit of money out of it. So uh, there's a lesson <laughs> for all, all you. But exactly. and Nick can fight, And Nick can fight a bit anyway. I do know that. He's from Liverpool at the end of the day. Um, <laughs> let's hear now from one of the unlikely heroes then from this fight, Jake Paul. He told us what it's like to be a part of history. It's historic to say the least, and the fact that it was the second most pre-sales in Madison Square Garden history is is next level. You know, I was blown away by that. Uh, I knew there was going to be a ton of excitement for this fight, but now we're talking about breaking records with it. Um, you know, both of the girls are here in the building, and the press conference today, you know, this is only getting bigger every single day, That and it was what was needed in women's boxing, you know, to, to really kick it off and send us send a big you know uh, shock of momentum into it and to prove that these girls are you know worth seven figures which is another massive you know historic thing well and eddie hearn also great stuff there from jake paul frankly and eddie hearn eddie hearn eddie hearn rather open up on what it's like to be working alongside jake paul as a promoter for the fight he has a huge following you know a different kind of following and if he can bring those into the sport, if he can bring those into this fight, Taylor Serrano, which, you know, from the pre-sale last week, maybe, you know, part of that was was his involvement as well. And at working with him as a co-promoter, like there's so much bitterness in boxing and ego. Mm-hmm. He's actually, all he wants to do is give Amanda her opportunity and make this event as big as possible. So therefore, we, we share the same passion for, for April 30th. And he's been really good to work with. And he's flown over for this press conference today. He's done a lot of media. And he's taking it seriously. He's not joking around like a clown. He's actually genuinely pushing this. I think part of him, because he's fallen in love with the sport, actually wants a bit of respect. Yeah, mm-hmm. You have to respect him because he's still stepping through the ropes and fighting. Now, he's not mm-hmm. fighting celebrities now or YouTubers. He's actually fighting people that fight for a living. So now he'll step up and start fighting boxers. And like I said, he's not hes not horrendous, but I actually think he's got good intentions. Just a bit crazy, really. Well, it is a bit crazy indeed. Well, it is a bit crazy indeed, uh, but we cannot wait for this event. It's going to be monumental. 
at Madison Square Garden on April the 30th, history in the making. Before we go to the break, I've just been sent a poster uh, of uh, the fight between Shane Erie and Nick Pete 14 years ago. The Shamrock <laughs> Express, the former WBU world champion, comes out of a, of a nine-year retirement for one night only for the Battle of the Mersey against the paper boy, Nick Pete, boxing reporter, <laughs> faces, <laughs> laces up the gloves the first time as part of the great 08 challenge. 14 years ago, very briefly, Nick, can you remember it well? I can actually remember it well, yeah. I was uh, I was probably about six stone lighter then as well. I was in far better <laughs> condition. But I, I, I always say to young young journalists now, young lads who are on the beat, um, the best thing you can do is train at a gym. The best thing you can do is spawn. If you get the opportunity, have a boxing contest. Make that walk. Make weight just once, even if it's you know celebrity-esque like this, even if it's just a charity event, because it gives you a completely different understanding of what a fighter goes through to prepare mentally and physically for uh, for this sport that we love so much. Indeed. You're listening to Fight Night Extra and Talk Sport 2. Next up, we will turn our attention to mixed martial arts, the octagon, uh, the tech cage, and we will see who will reign supreme in the massive UFC middleweight title fight between... Uh, Robert Whittaker and the champion Israel Adesanya. That's coming up next. is UFC 271 going down this weekend. Adesanya versus Whitaker 2. But first of all, Nick, this huge news today that Channel 4 are about to broadcast the fourth tournament of the Professional Fighters League. It's a massive move. We now have Bellator on the BBC, PFL on Channel 4. You work on BT Sport with the UFC. How soon... Are fans in the UK going to be talking about MMA and not UFC as the sport that we love? Yeah, exactly. It, you know, it's a phenomenal move. What a what a huge move, not only by the PFL, but also by Channel 4, you know, for a terrestrial channel to make this kind of commitment um, to the sport and mixed martial arts. Just shows how far we've come, Gareth. You know, we were, we were talking about this sport 15, 20 years ago. Uh, when yep. it was really was fledging, when we were desperate to get events over to the UK, when we were, you know, having to travel all over the world to cover the UFC and these kind of events, and now to see it come full circle, you know, I'm part of the English Mixed Mart Martial Arts Association as well, which we're, we're currently speaking to Sport England and the government about getting governance over the sport of MMA. So the the, the moves that are happening are absolutely monumental. So th this kind of came from from left field a little bit as well. We've known PFL has been going a couple of years now, put on phenomenal tournaments every year one million dollar check to the winners and then last year you know we we covered it extent or we we tried to cover it extensively on um both on talk sports and on our podcast on fight disciples but you know because brendan lofname was taking part in it the manchester yeah. fighter 
And and you know he came so he came so agonizingly close to winning that million dollars. Yet no yeah. one got to see it. We were streaming it on Fight Disciples YouTube channel and everything illegally, by the way. But it was crazy. So it's great that the PFL have made this move. But just fantastic that Channel Four, just like the BBC, just like BT, um, have made this big broadcasting um, commitments to the sport of mixed martial arts, and it just shows that it remains one of the fastest growing sports on the planet. Well, I had the privilege and the honour of presenting that press conference today and, and Louisa Compton, really the head of news, current affairs and sports, is so behind it. They did brilliant things with the Paralympic movement uh, from London onwards, uh, creating those superheroes. She told us live today at the press conference at Channel 4 um, that they intend to do the same thing with the PFL. Um, you know, you say Brendan Lochnane, Clarissa Shields was there because she's obviously fighting in it as well. Stevie Ray, Miles Price, Simeon Powell, uh-huh. Stuart Austin, all in this series or, or in the contenders and then into the series. Like you say, a million dollars on the line. Um, Peter Murray, the CEO of PFL is a very switched on guy. They've got James Truin in the UK, who is very impressive for me as well. They've got a great group of people, real innovators, and I expect it to be a riveting success. And they may be even having some events in Europe, in the UK as well. So Uh I think it's onwards and upwards for the MMA movement right now. Yeah, 100%. You know, I think the BBC have announced that Bellator's Bellator fights will not just be on the red button. Now they're going to be on BBC Three, if I'm not mistaken. So yeah, but you are right, sir. It's making, yeah, it's making huge inroads, and as long as the sport is fully accessible, then it no longer becomes for a lot of fans at the moment. You speak to them about MMA, and they kind of go, "Oh, you mean you mean the UFC? The UFC is not the sport." The UFC is the premier organization in the sport, but there's certainly a lot of other fantastic fights going on. You know, at home, we have Cage Warriors is probably the biggest domestic show that we have here. They have great cards as well. But the more accessible we make it to fight fans, the better, the more it will grow, the more money the fighters will make and the busier we will be, sir. Absolutely. And Brendan Lochnane made the point today about tournament fighting in MMA, where he said he had times when he had 12 months when he didn't know he was fighting. And the fact they've got a schedule when they know they're fighting every three months so they can live a normal life. They're not they're not chasing a fight. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, And I think the PFL's thing is all about meritocracy and transparency. They've got amazing growth on ESPN uh, in America. And I I think they will only grow here. Well, let's turn our attention, Nick, to this weekend and UFC 271. Israel Adesanya against Robert Whittaker, as you rightly pointed out on the top of the hour. Um, Israel Adesanya schooled, stopped uh, Robert Whittaker, and off, an off-colour Robert Whittaker. I wanted to see a second fight between the pairing, and I reckon you might have put in your preview that you quite fancy Robert Whittaker in this one. Yeah, I do, uh, and that surprised that surprised even me to be honest with you, because I'm such a Israel Adesanya fan, and I don't want to take anything away from Israel Adesanya. I know last year he suffered the first defeat of his career, but you can't you can't judge that on the fact that he is the long-standing middleweight champion, and he dared to be great. He tried to go up to light heavyweight. He tried to take on a huge man in Jan Blachowicz, the the, Pol- the former Polish champion, yeah. uh, and he got out grappled in that fight, and it can happen. And I I. I for, me, for someone that goes out of their comfort zone and dares to be great, as I say, and tries to add to their legacy, that doesn't diminish the champion they are in their actual weight division. And he's come back. Listen, he got another good win back in his weight division uh, in the summer. 
So Israel Asenia is the guy who remains at the top of the tree. But since his defeat, Robert Whitaker went away. He's had three big wins, really impressive performances against Darren Till, Jared Cannonier, and Kelvin Gastelum. He's back at the number one spot for a reason. And for me, he just looks revitalized. He looks happy. Yeah. He looks like his body's fully recovered. You know, he we went into that Adesanya fight months after emergency surgery over a collapsed bowel. You know, he was not in a good in a good shape whatsoever. I think right now. He's in a good headspace as well. And I just think we're going to get something a bit special in the early hours of Sunday morning. Fantastic stuff, Nick. And I tell you also daring to be great this weekend. Ali Pally, uh, John Ryder fights Daniel Jacobs in a boxing match. Cannot wait for that one. That's an Eddie Hearn show on DAZN. Well, that's about it. This has been Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. A big thanks to Nick Peake for joining me today. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, Visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.